part two of our conversation of the excitement with Karen Bradshaw <laughs> as she shares with us the truths that she's finding in the scriptures. Next on Polygamy, what love is this? Welcome back to our show. We are in a conversation with Karen Bradshaw, a former plural wife from the AUB Polygamy Group. And we are working on a two or three part series on some of the beauties that she has discovered in the truths of God's word as found in the Bible. One of those truths being that we can trust the Bible. Once we can trust the Bible, then it's a a, a nice and exciting adventure as we go through it to discover all these uh, beauties that God has for us and has written down for us. So welcome back, Karen. And let's get started on our next point on our list of 12 things that we can have our faith in. And uh, the next one on our list is that all our sins and all our religious ordinances are out of the way being nailed to the cross. Explain how that has affected you. So I have a story that goes with this. So when I was studying and finding these truths out, this blew me away. I um, had one of the leaders and he, he had told me that I could be rebaptized. And I just said, I don't feel like God wants me to do that. I, you know, I'm starting to discover new truths. And I shared the scripture with him about the ordinances being nailed to the cross. And he was just like, where did you read that? I've never heard such a thing. We need the temples. We need these ordinances. And he goes, where is that? And I said, that's in Colossians 2.13. And he's like, no. Was that the King James Version? And I said, yes, it's in the King James Version. So I'm going to read it to you. It's the one I read to him, and Mm -hmm. he just couldn't believe it. He'd never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. So this is Colossians 2, 13 through 15. It says, and now you, or sorry, and you being dead in your sins, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you which was contrary to you, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Okay. So the ordinances are not a needed thing like Mormonism teaches. That's not going to get us to heaven to do these ordinances. They're nailed to the cross. Right. That was Old Testament. Well, I don't even know if it was Old Testament. Where did they come from? (laughs) The ordinances, oh, it was Ju- from Judaism, from from the um, bringing forth of Judaism, clear from Moses' time with the Ten Commandments and all of the ceremonial laws and, and the rituals that they were required to do in the Old Testament. And they were still doing them in Jesus' time. But they didn't do the ordinances that the Mormons do today. No, they never did the Mormon ordinances, And that's ever. what's confusing to Mormons, because yeah. we were taught that this is from the Bible, but it, yeah. there's nowhere in the Bible mm-hmm. that they were doing these ordinances and these blood oaths and covenants. Right. No way. Not at all. Jesus is the one who forgives us. And if, if we had, like, the blood oaths uh, or blood atonement that Brigham Young introduced then we would be our own savior. We'd have to be sacrificing for our own sins, but it was Jesus who sacrificed for our own sins. They said his sacrifice wasn't enough. Yeah. So we had to so we had to request to be murdered so that our blood would 
cover some of the sins that Jesus' blood wouldn't yeah, cover. Yeah, blood atonement with yeah, Mormonism. Yeah. yeah. So all those ordinances are unnecessary, absolute dead works, as it were. And, and in yeah. that verse where it says principalities and powers, um, it says that, the, that Jesus on the cross spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. But principalities and powers are demonic authority in the spiritual realms that we're unaware of that is going on most of the time, but is there. And Mormonism has used in some of their literature, some of their scriptures, a positive principalities and powers when they don't probably don't even know that it refers to the, the not positive part of the spiritual realm. Um, but we talked already, um, we ended last time talking about the new and everlasting covenant. And this is included in that conversation, that same conversation, yes. because it's the blood of Jesus that is the new and everlasting covenant. It isn't polygamy. And, 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 how can we trust Jesus to save us if we have to turn to those ordinances, celestial marriage and polygamy? We can't because we have to, we have to teach our children the same thing, that we're doing this on our own. You know, this is things we have to do to make it to heaven. Mm -hmm. We have to live the new and everlasting covenant. And 132 says, if you've heard it, if this has been revealed to you and you don't do it, you're damned. You're damned. So exactly. it's yeah. coercion. It is coercion, and it's misusing God's word. Uh, and and in the in the section one thirty two, it uses you know the, it's referred to as celestial marriage. And in those days, it was polygamy. Today, the Mormons will say, "Well, celestial marriage is monogamy." They've redefined it, but the original definition was polygamy. Total one hundred percent polygamy. Oh yeah. And we know that coming from polygamy groups. You from the AUB and me from the Kingston group. We know celestial marriage means polygamy. That's and that's true. how Joseph Smith meant it. Yeah, it's true Mormonism. Exactly. True Mormonism, <laughs> for sure. So uh, uh, the new and everlasting covenant uh, in Hebrews 10, 9 through 10, Jesus said, uh, he, and he's quoting what, what this is all about, what Jesus did and coming did for us. Hebrews is a good book to explain that. Then he said, verse 9, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first covenant to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hmm. Once for all. And, and so he, he, the first covenant, which is the Old Testament, is set aside and they, he puts in place the new covenant establishes that second covenant, which is the New Testament. There is no other testament of Jesus. There's just these two. Just these two only. Book of Mormon's nothing. And yet they say it's a, another second, covenant. They say it's second testament. <laughs> but but it's but there's only two. And, hmm. and then he says, and by that, then he makes us holy. Look at that. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus. Not, he makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. Yeah, not the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. Right. Which doesn't make you holy. It turns you into a monster. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does. It, it, loneliness and bitterness and, and pain and all of that. Depression. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And once for all, it says. Hebrews 10, 15 through 19 says, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant. Now, this is the new and everlasting covenant. This is the new and everlasting covenant. 
This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. That veil in the, in the Mormon temples, you had the veil in your temple? Did you have yes. the veil? They put it back up. It was taken down. It was opened up through the curtain. That veil was torn in two, and they put it back up, and that veil represented his body that was torn for us. And they think they can replace all that with polygamy. And then they put your husband on the other side of the veil. Yeah, then they make him your savior. Yes, he is your savior. Yeah. Which shocked me. There's no mediator, <laughs> right? One mediator. Yeah, I didn't realize that, that he was my savior until my sister wife told me that. Oh, you know, he's, I'm so grateful that he's my Savior. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought Jesus was our Savior. <laughs> and, and you were, you were well, we're going to talk about this about later, about the oaths and the covenant. Um, but when, when it, this, this new covenant, this new and everlasting covenant that replaces the old, is your sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. No, there's no more shame, is there? If he's forgiven them and washed them away with his blood, there's no more shame. We can walk in that newness of life. It's so refreshing, too. And I, I see you walking in the newness of life, you know, and we've talked about it, how wonderful it is yes, to have that. That I don't carry around guilt and shame. Right. And, and he doesn't hold our sins against us. In Mormonism, you're always ashamed because you're always making mistakes. Mm -hmm. You're never perfect enough. Mm -hmm. But yeah. those ordinances have been nailed, nailed to, to the, the cross. cross. <laughs> yeah, and then you're washed and the Spirit of the Lord comes in and just fills you up with His peace and love and joy. And mm -hmm. Based on His works, not ours. Yes. Yeah, okay. So polygamy cannot be a better covenant. Ask any woman who's lived polygamy. It can never be a better covenant than the grace of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Um, now, the next one is the one that we have been alluding to, and it's one that, that you expressed your own experiences mm -hmm. when you took your oaths and, and yes. your covenants. So, um, when I read this scripture, uh, again, I was just amazed. That's why I put it in my top 12 favorites, because um, you take oaths when you, um, when you go into that um, temple endowment, doing that endowment. And in Matthew 5, 37, it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And I do not swear, or and do not swear by your head, or for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your nose be nose. Again, or anything beyond this cometh of evil. And that just blew me away. Anything 
beyond this cometh of evil. And how you spend a whole day doing ordinance work. That yeah. was a whole lot of stuff yeah. that went beyond yes and no. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. There's no secrets either, you know. Right. That's right. what I realized. These oaths and these secret works, they're not of God. They're not. And None of them are. And Jesus says, I never said anything in secret. So if he didn't, why should we? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. And what? why would there be... Um, I, I, you know, I like to go through some of these things, asking questions and, and why, why would God make it so there would be secret ways to heaven? That only the elect could get to. So the elect are people who learn the secrets. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus says that he came, we already read the scripture in the last one, that he came to, uh, to witness of the truth. And those who are of the truth listen to him. It's that simple. Just listen mm -hmm. to Jesus. If there's any secrets to the kingdom of God, it's in Jesus. And all you have to do is read the four Gospels and all the red letters, and you learn everything Jesus said. That's the only secrets of getting into heaven. Yeah, even Colossians um, says that, you know, Christ is the mystery. Exactly. It He's the mystery, the mystery of mystery. God. Mm -hmm. And he it, is the mystery. And the glory, the hope of glory that we have in Him is it's in Christ. Mm -hmm. There's no other secret or mystery. Right. You know? Exactly. And it's all in Him. And that's just so amazing. Isn't that what? And in, in Corinthians, it tells us that He is our righteousness. It also tells us that in Second Corinthians, that He is our righteousness. So we're made holy through His righteousness that He gives to us as a gift because of the blood shed on the cross. That's the new covenant. Joseph Smith says it's polygamy. Now you said that when you went in to do your endowments, especially the first time, you had no idea what you were headed for. You had no idea what you were going to be doing. Oh no, it's a secret. You? Yeah, I was like, they kind of give you a moment where like, if you want to get up and leave, you can, but you feel, you're, I was young mm -hmm. and I remember thinking, well, everyone else is here doing it, so I, and I trust these people, so it must be something I need to do. And, you know, how many young children, young adults get pushed into those kind of covenants with no idea of what they're doing? And I felt deceived. I mean, I didn't at the time, but looking back, mm -hmm. I was deceived because mm -hmm. I was never told, you're going to take these covenants, these blood oath covenants, that you have to keep. So you went yeah. into it not knowing what you were going to be covenanting about. No, they just said it's important, you know, but but it was mm -hmm. it was nothing to do with um, Christ. It was you just, won't find it in the Bible. It was just how, like, you know, how to please God. That you took a lot of covenants of like the law of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, um, we talked about that, and Christ is the only sacrifice. I think we talk and, about that later. And we do. We talk about that in we'll, another one with, with that. Cause, and that is so important, the laws um, that they have made up that really are not valid laws that God has for us. And we do talk about that later. So we don't want to jump the gun yeah. on so, into it now. Um, our freedom is in Christ. You know, then it's we can not, have faith in that, right? Yeah, it's, it's not in all these oaths and covenants. And, and that's another thing is 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm free mm-hmm. in Christ. There's not all these regulations on me. I don't have to wear the long, this long garment to make me holy. Christ makes me holy. Right. Right. All these regulations. And when I realize that I'm free in Christ, mm-hmm. oh, I can breathe. I, mm-hmm. There's just this weight that, that came off my shoulders mm. and this joy and peace mm-hmm. that I can't even describe. You can't, des- you, know. you can't describe it. We can talk about it, but you have to experience it to really do it justice, right? <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. This is so easy. And, and it was like all these chains that were wrapped around me just mm, fell just off. Just fell off. Just fell off when I started to trust in Him and realize there's freedom in Him. Mm-hmm. There's freedom in knowing Him. And they talk about, you know, that we are free agents. Mm-hmm. That's another thing is the free yeah, agency we have, stuff they We're they free teach. agents, but there's no freedom there. Mm, there's no free agency. It was they all coercion. for you. They yes. teach you what you believe. They teach you what you do. They teach you what you do, what pleases God and what pleases them. There's and no free agency. They raise you up how to think. Yeah. You're literally brainwashed. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that freedom. Um, it, it was like you were brainwashed to, to believe what you believe. Indoctrinated would In, be the proper word for that. And that's yeah. what they do to us. Indoctrinated. That's right. Now, there's a couple of verses from Galatians that we have talking about Jesus, the freedom in Christ. The first one is Galatians 5.1. And it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, this yoke of slavery is the very thing we've been talking about. Biblically, the yoke of slavery is letting somebody else pile a bunch of laws and ordinances upon you. And, and it says, yeah. don't let people do that to you because Jesus has come to set us free. So don't let them do it to you. And then there's another one in Galatians. Yeah, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And that throws out the the accusation that many people say, well, you're just using grace so that you can sin all the more mm-hmm. and sin more. And that's what that, say. Right, that verse is one of the verses that, that said, no, that's not what we believe. And that's not what we do. Oh, we don't, we don't want to go and indulge in uh, our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. We... we Pray for God to, you know, to fill us with His love. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do is serve one another and love one another. Mm-hmm. And the Christians, they do that. They've done it for me and my children. That the love and serving us mm-hmm. it is just blowing me away. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. So we're free. According to Galatians on this here, we're free from those ordinances and the laws of restrictions on food and what you eat and what you drink and what yes, you wear. And that's what you another do on the thing. Sabbath and all of those. In Romans, and I think this is one of your favorite verses. I know it's it's one of mine. Yeah, so Romans fourteen, seventeen through eighteen says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Pleasing to God and approved by men. If we're pleasing to God, that's what counts, isn't it? And he says it's not a matter of eating and drinking. 
right there it throws out all these eating requirements. Yeah, so it's okay to drink coffee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. okay to eat ham. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I don't like to eat it. <laughs> well, but you but could sometimes if you I wanted. do. Yeah. You could if you wanted without a guilty conscience. I would feel really guilty, you know. I know one of the, when I was first going into the Christian life, and I walked into church one morning and I smelled coffee brewing. <laughs> now, I've been a coffee drinker all my life, so I Whoa. did not have a stigma against <laughs> drinking coffee. But church and coffee together just didn't compute. <laughs> I know, me too. That was so hard. Wait a minute, I'm like, not right here. <laughs> they're sinning. <laughs> I know, I'm having it together. But, but it's fine because the Bible tells us. You know, in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. How about that? Or with regard to a religious festival, a new, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. And again, the reality is in Jesus Christ. So again, it goes right back to Him. The reality is Jesus. And if we have Jesus... All of this other stuff is negligible. It just doesn't mean he's our savior. These it's like a burden they're putting on yes, your back. Yes. Just, and it keeps piling up and up and up that yoke so that many we things. wear. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he's the yoke, you know. Yeah. We we wear his yoke. And we're yeah. gonna, we're going to be um, talking about that too as we go. And this next one of course again is freedom. Uh, in Christ, but this is a freedom to worship without temples and without all of the rituals that Mormonism puts on us, or to have the endowments and the oaths and the covenants. And I think one important thing here that I really would like all of our Mormon viewers and polygamous viewers to read is Acts chapter 17, verse 24, and Acts chapter 7, verse 48 where God says he does not live in temples built by human hands. That blew me away, too. <laughs> he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. Your endowment house, the AUB temple, the FLDS temple, that great big white monstrosity they had down in El Dorado, Texas, the Mormon temples they have all over the world, God doesn't build, he doesn't live in them. Bible says Bible so. Bible says so. He says he doesn't. Yes. In fact, what happens is, now I hear a lot of people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, say, our body is a temple, we have to take care of it, blah, blah, blah. The only temple our bodies are of is for believers who have believed Jesus, who believe all these things we're talking about from the Bible and Jesus, because by his spirit, God lives in us then we are the temple. Other than that, we're not. So God doesn't build in temples built by human hands, but he does indwell in people who love God and trust in Jesus. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit at that point, not before. That's, that's they, news to me. Yeah, yeah, and yet they've taken these man-made temples, continue to build more, dump millions and millions of dollars in them, who knows how much money? And they're not even approved of God. How many people could we feed with all those yeah. temples? Yeah. And, and again, cult. it's like you say, n none of the Mormon temple activity or polygamy temple activity 
is an, an Old Testament or a Bible activity. None of it is. Yeah, a, a scripture just came to mind. Jesus said, true religion undefiled before God is that you feed and clothe the naked. Mm-hmm. And look at all the money that has been poured into those temples and churches. Mm-hmm. Um, what what Dead of, works. Dead and, works. And what is that going to get them in the next life? They, they said, look at Lazarus, you know, um, Oh, what's his name? Lazarus, who was hungry, and and the man that wouldn't feed him. Um, oh yeah, Lazarus in, in yeah. Luke chapter fifteen. Yeah, uh-huh. and then he went and Abraham, the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing. What are we doing here for the eternal mm-hmm. uh, world that we're going to live in? Right. We think we're going to be gods as Mormons because we wear our garments and take those oaths and covenants, but. It's about serving one another and taking care of mm-hmm. the poor mm-hmm. and the orphan and the widow. And, y- and yet Mormonism is so focused on themselves and what they can do and what I can do and what we can do and what you can do to earn godhood. And exalting and exa- themselves. And being exalted. Mm-hmm. So is this an opposite of, uh, of what biblical truths are? The more I study the Bible, the more opposite yes. it, it He's is. Yes, so opposite. Yeah. Now this next one is very important and we want to take plenty of time with it and we'll, we only have a couple of minutes left for this one so we're going to take part three to, to really get dig deep in this but we're going to just bring it up anyway okay. and then maybe uh, if they want to know more about it they'll watch part three uh-huh. because we're going to introduce the, the we can have our faith in grace not works. It's the grace of God that saves us through faith. It is not works of any kind. So why don't you yes. read so, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Okay. For it is by grace you have been saved, not of works, uh, or sorry, through faith. And this not for, from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. Okay. Now, not by works. When I first read this verse... Yeah, <laughs> that not by works leapt up from the yeah. page. At my, it hit me right in the face. Mm-hmm. Not the rest of the verse. It didn't. Not by works did. Not by works. And I just jumped up from my chair and screamed, <laughs> "What?" I was alone. <laughs> and and yeah, I know it's not, like, <laughs> "What?" Not by how, how can this be? These works? Yeah, yeah. How can this be? It's by faith. It's through faith in Christ alone. Uh-huh. Through faith. By grace, through faith. Saved by grace, through faith. And then look at that. It's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift. (laughs) It's not something we earn. Earn, We can't earn it, ever. In fact, if it wasn't a gift, nobody would ever get there. Because nobody could ever earn it and never be good enough. Isn't that great? So that's, that's grace. Now... People always, always from the Mormon community, whether it's polygamy or the Mormonism, will, will jump up with, James says faith without works is dead. Well, we're going to talk about that in part three um, because we're out of time now and it's going to take more, more time than we've got left. <laughs> so we're going to apply that verse in James to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And so be sure and watch for part three next time on polygamy. What love is this? This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. 
More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.